excellent message last week, didn't she? Man, it's tough when she preaches that good because the next week I'm like, oh man, I got to follow up with that one. That's rough. But she did a, she did an amazing. I mean, it was a, a great message. If you want to uh, just go ahead and re-listen to that, that is on SoundCloud on our website and all those things. So we're going to be talking. Where there's a few different things we're going to be talking about in the next few weeks. Today we're going to be talking a little bit about fear. So the def, uh, just real quick, the definition of excuse. Pastor Joy gave it last week. We're just going to reiterate it again. Definition of excuse is the attempt to uh, lessen the blame attached to a fault or offense, seek to justify or to defend. So that's what an excuse is. How many of us like to hear excuses? Any parents in here like to hear excuses from their children? Why they didn't do this? Why did they, any, any bosses in here? Anybody a boss in here? Anybody here like to hear excuses from their employees? Who likes to hear excuses from their spouse? See, I mean, there was absolutely no hands on all of those. None of us like to hear excuses. But how many of us can dish out some of the best excuses with the best of them? Raise your hand. You know you've got some good ones. I'm sure you've got a laundry list of some good ones. You probably even hand them off to your friends. Hey, look, try this excuse. This might work. You know, I mean, we, we are full of excuses, but we don't like to receive them, correct? So we want to be a people of God that, no longer have excuses. And so that's kind of this sermon series to kind of shake us up that we, hey, let's not fall into giving any excuses for the reasons why we may fall short or why we might not do what we're supposed to do. But we want to stand up and we want to do what God's called us to do. And one of the things that, uh, one of the reasons why people may have excuses is a little bit, uh, has to do with fear. And we're going to get into that in just a moment. But I just want to ask you a question here. It's kind of a rhetorical question, but then it's not. And it's this. Where in Scripture does God limit people? Show me a place in Scripture where God limits people. Show me it. There isn't. The only, okay, apart, apart from uh, the obvious confines of morality and legality, God does not limit people in Scripture. He doesn't. Matter of fact, when I see in Scripture, I see that actually God calls people beyond their limits and He calls leaders above their own natural abilities. The whole Bible is full of God speaking to people, calling them above their own natural abilities. The whole Bible's full of it. It's full of people being called out, called up, beyond, above. God doesn't limit people. Where in Scripture does He do it? I think that the uh, the thing is is that you know when I look at people like Noah, Joseph, Moses, Joshua, Gideon, Esther, David, Samuel, Elisha. All of the apostles, friends, they all function above their own natural talents or abilities. I even include myself as one that God has called and stretched to function beyond my own level of comfort and personal ability. And friends, I'm sure that every leader here at Vision, Ministry, at Vision Ministries also credits their leadership functionality to the Lord as being supernatural. I guarantee you meet every, you meet any leader here at Vision, we're going to give God who's God's credit. It's not us, it's Him. You're going to hear that from, from all of our staff. Because we know that it's the Lord that supernaturally charges our leadership to be above and beyond what our own natural functionality is. Friends, God does not limit us. Actually, He tries to blow the limitations away. We are the ones who actually limit our own selves. You can go ahead and write that down. You can... Take that to the bank. We're the ones that limit ourselves. It is what it is. We, you can't blame your boss. 
you can't blame your spouse. You can't blame your mama. You can't blame your daddy who wasn't there. You can't blame your background. You can't blame the crack house. You can't blame the bar. You can't blame the liquor store. You can't blame... You, you can't, no more excuses. Friends, we are the ones that limit ourselves. Everything that's happening in your life right now is because you will it to happen. Because you want it to happen. Because if you don't want it to happen, then it wouldn't happen. Is that not the truth? Can somebody say amen? amen. Hold on, let me say this again. Everything that's happening in your, house, in your house, in your life right now is because you will it to happen. If you did not will it, then it would not happen. Is that not the truth? If you don't want something in your house, it's out of your house, correct? If you don't want something in your life, it's out of your life. Not saying that you do it in your own strength and ability, but if you don't want it to happen, then it doesn't happen. If you want something, you go after it. People wait in line for hours for for pieces of of tech and equipment on Black Friday for something they want that bad. And they'll freeze, they'll they'll put up a, a camp right outside of Best Buy, because they want it that badly. Friends, if you want something that desperately, you'll get it. Just it is what it is. So actually, our own limits are because of us. Friends, we allow fear to be a major component that keeps us from the things that we want to achieve. Well, what's fear? Friends, all fear is, is it's an emotion, usually unpleasant, strong, caused by anticipation or caused by an awareness of danger. That's what Webster's Dictionary says that is. It's an emotion. Fear is an emotion. It's an unpleasant, strong emotion at times, caused by anticipation, awareness of danger. So the question is, is who is the one who fuels that emotion? Where does it come from? Who does fear come from? Go ahead, you can say it. Satan, the enemy, the devil, all all those are right. Absolutely. Does fear come from God? No. If fear doesn't come from God, then so why are so many men and women of God succumb to it? Scripture says this. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. We were singing about this, and we'll be getting into that verse later on. This is what it says. It says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear. Say, God, God has, not has not given us given a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. Come on, friends. God has not given us a spirit of fear, so if you are functioning in any area of your life in fear, that is not given by God. Amen. That was not established by God. That was not given by God. You allowed that fear, you allowed that emotion to override that area of your life, and now you're being influenced by fear. And how many of us know that, that the enemy knows this very well? Satan knows us strategically. He's one of the best con artists and he will manipulate our, our own emotions. I mean, he will do whatever it takes to get us to slip and mess up and sin and fall short and to succumb to temptation. I mean, he just he, that's how he works. It's what he does. But God has not given us a spirit of fear. He's given us a spirit of power, a spirit of love, sound mind. Friends, over and over in the Bible, God declares, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. He's telling men of God. He's telling warriors of God. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. The Lord is with you. Do not be afraid. Do not be. Why would he say that? Because he knows that the nature of man is to allow the emotion of fear to dictate what they do. 
Just think about it. How many people probably have never even applied themselves to maybe a college or a career because they were afraid of failing? I guarantee you hundreds, thousands, maybe millions. Because fear dictated them from moving forward. You know, it's kind of funny. We were, we were, uh, we were watching uh, this movie called Hacksaw Ridge. Anybody ever see that movie? I, I, I lo- First off, I'm a, big, I'm a big war movie person. I just I love war movies, and especially war movies that are based on true stories. Man, I'm a sucker. And so uh, Hacksaw Ridge, and uh, in, in just real quick, in this movie, what happened was there was, this, there was this character in the movie, his name was Hollywood, and he was this big, huge, buff dude. I mean, this dude was like all cut and ripped, and, you know, and, he's, and you know, he looks like he would be the one, when he gets on the battlefield, he's going he's gonna, to you know, take, take care of some business. But do you know that when they were actually on the battlefield, there was just a small little clip. It was like maybe five or ten seconds. When the war was waging and the bullets were flying, Hollywood had his gun up tight to him and was tucked down into a cubbyhole and couldn't move. What? He was captured by fear. Fear dictated him. Friends, I think fear has dictated one too many people. A lot of us, we can be all talk, but man, when it comes, we succumb, we... Pull back. Isaiah chapter 41, verse 10. I love this. this, is, this is, I, I had to go to the New King James Version because I love what it says. First two words. Fear not. Say this with me. Say, fear not. Fear not. Why? Why? For I am with you. Do not be dismayed. For I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Wow. Are some of y'all seeing this? He says, fear not, for I'm with you. It doesn't matter who you're going against. It doesn't matter what, what opposition you're facing. Don't be afraid. Fear not. I'm with you. Do not be dismayed. That means don't be discouraged. Don't be frustrated. I'm your God. I will strengthen you. Well, you, you can maybe you feel, well, I'm weak. I, I can't do this. Yes, you can. I'm with you. You can do this. Do not be afraid. Fear not. And then I love this. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Friends, He holds us. He upholds, upholds us. Come on. How many of us have been in a time where, man, we were weak? The Scripture says, when, when I am weak, He is strong. Amen. There are times when, when the grace of the Lord will carry us from season to season. Man, are those seasons good? And then there's times when we're Crawling from season to season. Just whatever season you're in. Friends, people are afraid of so many things. Do you know that? Do you know that psychologists have estimated there are some 500 phobias? Isn't that ridiculous? Phobias. 500 phobias. I mean, why? Because, I mean, there's just so many fears out there. There are so many things that people are afraid of. There's so many things that people are you know, like for instance, I'll tell you one of the biggest ones that I, I, I see is there are a lot of people that are afraid of failure. They're afraid of messing up. Well, what if I fail? What if I mess up? And that keeps them from stepping out. So what? Does failure, does that dictate you? It must dictate a lot of people. I think so many people are succumbed to failure. I don't want to fail. I don't want to look stupid. Failure, Failure should be... You know, uh, what was it Thomas Edison, you know, when he created the light bulb, it said it took him some 1,000 attempts to do that. So he has 999 failures and one success. 
Are you willing to fail? Most people, after the second or third time, we're done. Throw the hands up. Nope. Look like a failure. I'm done. I look stupid. He, I'm, he could have been, I look, I look stupid in front of the scientific community. No, friends. People are afraid of failure. Friends, people are afraid of loss. They're afraid of losing. Maybe perhaps a family member. They're succumbed to. They try to hold on to their family so tight. What if I lose somebody? There's, there's fear of loss. Friends, there's fear of death. Some people are afraid, deathly afraid to die. Friends, if you have Christ, death has no more sting. Am I talking to the people of God now? Death has no more sting. Fear isn't an end all. Fear, all fear is, is, is a doorway to us being with our lover. I, I'm glad there's about three people that are looking forward to that. <laughs> Some of y'all still holding on to that fear of failure. People are afraid of being judged and rejected. There are so many people that don't step out, but what if I'm judged? What if I'm rejected? So people are succumbed to fear and so they never step out. Some people are afraid they, they, they're not going to have enough. So what do they do? They store up, they store up, and they hoard because they're afraid. Well, what happens if? What happens when tribulation happens and I can't feed my family? And so they got barns full of stuff. They got, you know, guns galore and water. And Hey, I mean, if you feel like you want to, you know, you know, get yourself ready for the apocalypse, go float your boat. But if you're allowing fear to dictate your future, then friends, that's not healthy. Your resources can be used for kingdom things now instead of, you know, all that other crazy stuff. It is, it's just, it is what it is. People are afraid of being alone. People are afraid of the future. Revelation, man, they're afraid of the apocalypse and stuff. People are afraid that they'll be too weak or not strong enough. People are afraid of people. People are afraid of man. You have man-pleasing, fear of man, all that stuff. Man, people are just afraid. There are people that are afraid of the unknown. Well, I don't know what's going to happen. So they don't—they never step out in faith because of the unknown. There's people that are afraid of change. Uh-oh. That's happening in this house right now. The people that are afraid of change. Friends, the kingdom of God is not an organization. It's an organism. Meaning that it's, it's alive. It's moving. It's active. And, and we can't be afraid of change. Change is good. Change is growth. Change is what needs to happen. We can't just be stuck and doing the same old, same old. I'm not going to fall into insanity, which is doing the same thing over and over and expecting different, different results. People are afraid of demons and the devil. The people there, they're just afraid of the devil. Well, I ain't going to step out because then the devil's going to attack me and he's going to be on my family. And so you're afraid of the devil that you have authority over. In Christ Jesus. Come on. You need to know the authority you have. You're a co-heir in Christ. The Bible says, submit then to God. Resist the devil. He will flee. Some of y'all need to start submitting to God, resisting the devil, and kicking the devil in his face. Uh Uh-oh, this is my, this is the worst. Some people are afraid of the Holy Spirit. There are many members of the body of Christ. They're afraid. Like, that's too crazy. That's too wacky. You're afraid of the Holy Spirit. You're afraid of the thirst, the third person of the Trinity, of the Godhead. You're afraid of the endudiment power, the dudamus, that's meant to electrify you, to live a full life, and have victory. Wow. 
and joy and peace. Come on. No wonder the devil tries to make people afraid of the Holy Spirit. Because there's so much power in, in God. When you see Acts 2, when the Holy Spirit shows up and, th- and thousands are getting saved, no wonder he makes people afraid. Because what would you look like infused with the deutimous power of the Holy Spirit? Whew. Come on. That's prophetic. That's not pathetic. So many people are afraid of this and that, man. It's just crazy. So People are afraid of change here in the house at Vision. Friends, I'm just going to see that. I, need, I just need to say this. Friends, as servants of Christ, we have a mandate to reach people. The church is not called to, to gather. The church is called to scatter. The church is called to go. He says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them everything that I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always to the very ends of the age. He doesn't say, come, all you. <laughs> in division, in the four walls. No, he says, go. Friends, we have a mandate to preach the gospel. We have a mandate to reach people. We have a mandate to reach our city. Do you know that? Vision Ministries has a mandate to reach people. Friends, Josh and Joy will not be here all the time, and that's good. That's good. Because it shows it's not about us. It's about God. And if you don't believe that, then that's just a cliche, and that's rhetoric, if you say that, but you don't believe that. It's about God, it's not about me. But let the minute, let me say that, and then you throw up a hissy fit. Come on, it's not about us. It's not about Josh Hesser. God can eliminate Josh Hesser from the equation, and the kingdom of God is going to continue to advance. I am not pious or proud enough to think that that, that I am the thing that keeps this whole thing together, because I'm not. The Holy Spirit is the one. This is His, you're His. Vision is His. We are His. Friends, God has given us the ability and the mandate to preach the gospel, to influence not only just South Toledo, but now Northwest Ohio. Do you know what God is doing? God is extending the tent pegs. That's been the prophetic word that he's, that he's spoken us, at us uh, two years ago when he started doing this thing, that he was extending the tent pegs. It's found in the book of Isaiah. He's extending. There was a, and then it's kind of funny because I actually was looking through, I was looking through one of my old journals and, uh, and unbeknownst to, to the, this guy, I was at this prayer conference and, um, and so they had some prayer time and then afterwards they have this like little lunch setting and we're sitting there and I, I wrote it down unbeknownst to him, everything that was going on. And he said, the Lord is telling me that he is extending your tent pegs. This was like two years ago. I was looking, I was like, okay, God, just again, another confirmation. He's extending. Come on, I'm not going to be a slave to fear. Friends, God has given us at vision, has called us to be spiritual farmers and planters, that we would plant spiritual seed. And friends, he's given us new fields to plant on. You know what I think of? I think of Joshua when God called him in Joshua chapter 1, verse 9. So you've got Joshua, you have Moses, who's been le- Moses led the Israelites for 80 years, Moses is now out of the picture, and now Joshua's called to take the land. And this is what the Lord says to Joshua. He says, Have I not commanded you, be strong and of good courage, do not be afraid or be dismayed, for the Lord is with you wherever you go. Friends, there's a mandate on vision to take the land. Do you know that? Hold on, y'all need to get a hold of this. I'm not preaching anymore. Come on, I'm declaring this. You need to understand this. There is a mandate on this house to take the land. Because our house has a spirit of Joshua on it. 
The Lord said to me years ago, and he even said to Joy back when she was like 13 or 14, Spirit of Joshua, take the land. And so in order to take the land, that means we got to go and take the land, friends. we got to do what he's called us to do. Take the land. Friends, God has always called vision to take the land. Do you know that? He always has. And now God is calling us to a new level of leadership where we're now going to be overseeing two campuses. And that's awesome. And that's fun. And so, so I guess I ask myself and, and I also ask the body of believers here, friends, will we make faith-based decisions or are we going to make fear-based decisions? Are we going to make fear-based decisions or faith-based decisions? Because, friends, fear-based decisions cause us to try to hold on to what we have or what we think we have and usually causes us to compromise morally. But, friends, when we have, and even, and you know what, and even faith-based decisions are uncertain. That's okay. Because it calls you to step out into the unknown. Let's just step back just for a moment, just for a second. And let's just, here, I'm going to just, just real quickly, let's just take a look at what happens in Scripture when people make fear-based decisions. This is what happens. So when you have somebody that makes a fear-based decision, you have a person like Abram, before he was uh, Abraham, and what does he do? He's afraid, and he lies about his wife, Sarai, and... And what's that? He, he just, uh, morally, he just, a man of God, lying because of fear. He's afraid. Well, I, and, then, and then he gives the excuse. Well, she, she, I mean, because his wife was, was gorgeous, according to Scripture. He said, well, I thought you were going to kill me and take her for your own. So he lied and said it was her sister. His wife was his sister. Fear-based, say fear-based decision. Okay, some of y'all need to wake up here. I need, I need a little bit of talking back to me. Say fear-based. Fear-based. Okay, fear-based decision. So when we're looking at Scripture, fear-based decision caused the what? The man of God, Elijah, to do what? Flee from Jezebel. Fear-based. Say fear-based. fear-based. Friends, fear-based will make men and women of God do stupid things. When you make a decision based on fear. Another fear-based decision. Cause what? Cause Pharaoh to kill the Hebrew babies. If you know the story, fear-based, what did they said? There's so many slaves, they will overthrow us. We need to start, uh, we need to start wiping them out. And what did they do? They killed all the babies. Fear-based decision. Based on fear. Friends, understand, when we make fear-based decision, it's gonna cause catastrophe. Mostly just for us personally, but sometimes if you're a high-level leader and you make fear-based decisions, man, it can, it can affect a whole nation. Fear-based decisions called King Saul to not face the Philistines. He was supposed to face the Philistines. Goliath's up there talking all that trash. Who will face me? This was the king. He's sitting back for 40 days allowing allowing a whole, uh, their enemy to sit there and mock him and jeer and make fun of them. Fear-based. Say fear-based. Fear-based. fear-based decision. We got some more here, some more. Fear-based decisions we see in Scripture. Fear-based decision caused Jacob to flee from Laban. If you know the story about Jacob, Jacob, he worked 14 years or seven years for his one wife and seven years for another wife. Okay, he grew, uh, started, uh, his, his, um, like he started growing, uh, beyond his uncle Laban. He was afraid that his uncle, uh, was gonna try to do something. So at night took all of his family and fled from his own uncle. Say fear-based. Man, fear-based decisions make people do dumb stuff. Fear-based decisions cause Herod to king, kill the babies in Bethlehem. There was these prophecies that a Messiah was going to rise up. 
And then when he found out, when he talked to the wise men, found out it was going to be in Bethlehem, God spoke to, uh, through an angel, told Joseph and Mary, y'all need to flee because Herod's going to come for the baby. And what did he do? He killed all the babies in Bethlehem. Say fear-based. Fear-based, fear-based decisions. And then finally, uh-oh, the worst one. Friends, fear-based decisions called, caused Pilate to crucify Jesus. It says he was afraid of the people. Say fear-based. He was afraid of the people. Crucified our Messiah. Friends, fear-based decisions. So what does it look like when the people of God make faith-based decisions? Say faith-based. faith-based. Come on, some of y'all want this right here. Faith-based decisions. When we make faith-based decisions, these are some of the things we see in Scripture. And these are just, I mean, there's, there's so many more. We could be here forever talking about both the fear and the faith-based. This is just a small little examples. What does a faith-based decision cause what? When, when David sees that somebody's mocking his God and his people, cause David faith-based, cause David to confront Goliath to what? To achieve a great victory against the Philistines. Amen. Say faith-based. faith-based. Now let me ask you a question. Anytime you're called to step out in faith, is there an absence of fear? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. I guarantee you, David, when he stood up to that nine-foot giant, was afraid. But he did not succumb to fear. Come on, somebody say amen. Okay. Faith-based decision caused Abram to rescue his family, uh, Lot, when Lot and and their whole family was overtaken by raiders. He could have sat there and said, oh man, they took my family and cried and, and, and threw a little pity party. No, he gathered his men. He gathered the, the fighting men and he went back and he took back what the enemy stole. Took back his, his nephew, took back their family, took back their stuff. Say faith-based. Faith-based. Come on. Faith-based decision before fleeing from Jezebel caused Elisha the prophet to confront 450 prophets of Baal. What happened? God showed up in a, in a mighty fire and proved that he was the God above all gods. So somebody say faith-based. Faith. Come on, will somebody step out in faith again and show that God is, is still on the throne? Faith-based decision caused Moses to confront Pharaoh, setting, what, a million slaves free. Pastor Joy even talked about all the excuses that Moses had, but guess what? He got over himself, and he did what God called him to do. Look at your neighbor and say, I have to get over myself. <laughs> Come on. It's easier to say to somebody else, you need to get over yourself. It's harder to say to yourself, I need to get over myself. Come on, get over. Just, yeah, just let them know that you need to get over yourself. Hopefully you was looking at your spouse saying, I need to get over myself. You probably, if, if your spouse was on one side, you probably purposely looked the other way. Like, no, no. Or once you knew you were starting to say that, you were like, you changed your head, went the other way. I need to get over, no, wait, oh, wait. Who's this person on this side? Get over myself. Say faith-based decision. decision. Friends, faith-based decision caused Peter to stand and preach, 5,000 get saved. They're making fun of him. They're like, hey man, these guys have been drinking too much. They're drunk. Who are these people? By the power of the Holy Spirit, 5,000 people get saved. Say faith-based. Come on, we need to start making some faith-based decisions. Faith-based decision caused Paul to follow the Holy Spirit, and when he did that, he started multiple churches. They felt the Holy Spirit calling them out to what? Go and preach the gospel. And what happened? Churches were started. Tons of churches. His ministry affected 
everybody that's here now. We're still reading the the writings of Paul. Paul's writings are the majority of the New Testament. Our lives are better because somebody stepped out, followed the Holy Spirit. Say faith-based. And then finally, friends, this is my favorite. Faith-based, because he had a faith-based decision, caused Jesus to trust the Father. What was the outcome? He saved humanity. We see what happened when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane. He's wrestling. He said, Lord, if it's possible, take this cup. But he says, but not my will, your will. He's doing what? Trusting the Father. Faith-based. Because of his faith-based decision, we now have fellowship with God, and we're going to be with him forever, and you can walk in empowerment right now. Somebody say faith-based. faith-based. I don't know about you, but when we, when we measure what, what fear-based decisions look like compared to what faith-based decisions, friends, hopefully, hopefully in your heart, if you've, been, if you've made some fear-based decisions, maybe they can be stuff that you can write, you can fix, you can turn around. Sometimes they're not. Sometimes you make fear-based decisions, and, and they, they will haunt you from generation to generation. But friends, it matters what you do now with that. The Lord is calling us to step out in faith to make faith-based decisions. To not be afraid. To not be ashamed. Romans chapter 8, verse 15. I shared this earlier. I'm going to share it one more time. It says, For you have not received a spirit of slavery leading to fear again. Jesus is preaching to all of the religious leaders, and he tells them this. He says, you can get set free from slavery. He was like, we're not slaves. They said, we're not slaves. We've been freed. We're free men of Israel. Not really. I mean, you're under Roman rule. But this is what he ends up saying. He says, every man who sins is a slave to sin. So friends, when you succumb to fear, you become a slave of fear. For you've not received a spirit of slavery leading to fear again. But you have received a spirit of adoption as sons by which we cry out, Abba, Father. Beautiful. And then finally, the, the last verse I want to use today, friends, is 1 John chapter 4, verse 18. And this is what it says. Go ahead and say this with me. Say, there is no fear in love. Come on. But perfect love casts out all fear. Because fear involves torment. He who fears has not been made perfect in love. Friends, there is no fear in love. If you're made perfect in the love of God, then then you should not be afraid. Not saying that fear won't attack you. Not saying that fear won't confront you. Not saying that fear won't be the first thing that tries to stop you. Because it will. But friends... Perfect love casts out fear. So when fear is confronting you, you say, in the name of Jesus, I'm not giving in to you. I'm a child of God. I'm going to do what God's called me to do. Who in here, be honest, 100% honest. You can raise your hand. I would love to see that. Who in here can honestly say you would have a hard time sharing your faith with a stranger? Okay, hands. Good. Thank you. All kinds of hands. Why? What would be, what's the number one reason? Fear. 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 Absolutely. What are they going to think? What are they going to say? Absolutely. Absolutely. Right, come on, come on. She's got all of them. Do you know this? I, wanna, I just want to be honest with you. 100% honest. 
I'm going to say 99% of the times I've ever stepped out in faith and, and shared with somebody, rejection was never there. You would be absolutely, if you, you would be absolutely astounded by how many people would either listen or they're going to respect what you have to say. You do have, you have the occasional buttheads. You just do. Okay? And they'll, I mean, they'll, you know, right away, they're like, I'm not about that. Well, that's cool. You don't have to sit there and, and now, you're, okay, the conversation's done. You don't have to sit there and pound them with it. They don't want to hear it's cool. If you were to ask somebody, you know, hey, just curious, you know, how are you spiritually? I guarantee you that person would, would open up and tell you. They'll tell you, oh, I believe in God, or I believe in this, or I believe in that. And what does that do? That gives you a, that gives you a, a right way. You can just start sharing about You don't have to sit there and preach to them and tell them they're going to hell and all this other crap. I'll tell you, 100% of the time that, that I've ever really actually shared my, test, uh, shared my faith had to do with my testimony. What's God's done in my life? Because it says they defeated him by what? The blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. They did not shrink back their lives unto death. Friends, allow your testimony to be an opening for you to share your faith in Christ. So, I, you know, I don't want to, you know, I'm not in no way, shape or form, uh, uh, bringing condemnation to the people that, should, that, that raised their hand and said, yeah, I'm, I'm afraid. Because you know what? That's the enemy's plot to keep you silent. Because one of the greatest... One of the greatest power tools that you have is your mouth to proclaim the gospel. Proclaim. Well, I'm going to just live it. Let people see the life I'm living. Yeah, we're supposed to do that too. But we're also supposed to share with our mouth too. Preach the gospel. Preach the gospel. Friends, one of the things that the Lord has has, uh, allowed us uh, to do is raise up just incredible leadership here at Vision. And, uh, And when we... When we initially talked about the expansion of what's happening uh, here on South and Broadway back in November, was it? We started when we first talked about it. Um, you know, we just we we just kept it open to say, hey, look, this is what God's doing. We know that that there are people in here uh, that perhaps they they feel like you know they're gonna uh, partner with us and and sharing the gospel out in in, in the Waterville area, the the Anthony Wayne area. And, uh, and there actually are some people uh, in our church that there's a small handful of people that are saying, yeah, I want, I'm going to be as a missionary. Just think about this. Hold on this for a minute. I just, y'all need to listen to this. This is how powerful this is. Are you getting this? Listen to this. Okay. So, uh, one of, one of my, one of my, uh, uh, bosses or district people who's, who's kind of like above me was sharing about like what God's doing here in South Toledo. Was sharing, was sharing about our church with some of these guys down in Columbus. And they were talking about what God's doing at Vision and how, uh, and how Vision Ministries, being an urban church for the last 11 years, is now planting a church out of South and Broadway in, in one of the most impoverished areas in Toledo and is, and is uh, taking uh, and, and, and church planting out in, into the woods, as Joy called it. You know, it's, it's a suburban slash rural. It's, it's actually a lot more country than it is suburban area. And do you know they were astonished? They were like, are, wait, what, hold on. Are we, are we hearing this correctly? There is an urban inner city church that's successful enough, come on, that have raised up enough leaders to reproduce themselves, to duplicate what they're doing, to reach another community. It's unheard of. People don't do that. You hear big churches doing that. You hear mega churches doing that. You heard churches that have a lot of money doing that, but come on, but but that they were they were astounded by that. 
So, so, so think about this. Think of this is how powerful this is. You are part of something that's happened that's miraculous right now. Vision Ministries is a part of this. Go ahead. You can high-five God <laughs> that, that you have partnered with him in the kingdom, sharing the gospel. Come on, that we're taking North Toledo for Christ. Somebody needs a shout. Say amen. That's awesome. One of the things that we want to do is, um, this is one of the things that we do uh, at Vision. We believe in receiving. When we first started this church 11 years ago, the Lord said, you're going to be an equipping and releasing ministry. I said, what the heck is that? I don't even know what that means. Now I've realized what that means is you're going to let people go. <laughs> you Raise them up, let them go. Raise them up, let them go. Raise them up, let them go. And that's cool. That's, that's been how it's been. If you've been here for a long time, you've seen leaders raise up and, and leaders leave. And that's cool. That's great. It does. It stings, but it's cool. But one of the things we believe is we believe we believe in, 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 in laying on of hands. We believe in releasing and equipping people. When people come up, when we have members, we bring them up in front of the body. We lay hands on them. We bless them. We say, you know, turn this place upside down for Jesus. Use your gifts. Use your abilities. Rock this place for Christ. Do, do your thing. Love Jesus. Use your giftings. Affect people. And the one thing that we do, and, this, and the one thing that we do too, is when people, they come to us and they say, you know, I, I feel called to do this. I feel called to do that. You've been a great partner with us, and we want to love on you, and we want to bring you up, and we want to lay hands on you, and we want to release you to continue the things of God. So we're going to do something kind of like that. But what we're doing is, is it's still vision. So if there is anyone that's in here that, I don't, I see, I see a few, that are, that, that's been a part of, of this body of, uh, of believers here on South and Broadway, and that is partnering with us out in Waterville, would you please stand up? We've had a few that are coming, that have been, okay, yeah. I'm going to ask you to do something else. Would you come up here with me? Would you come on up? Check this out. This is awesome. In Scripture, when Paul and Silas, when they were released to preach the gospel, it said the body of believers, they came around to them, they laid hands on them, and they released them for missionary journeys. And they went and they preached the gospel all over, all over the place. And so we have some people that are part of this body that are being released as missionaries to Waterville, unless they live in Waterville, hence uh, Frank and Vicky. Still missionaries. They've been, I mean, yeah, I mean, they've been missionaries here for years, and now they're going to reach their own community. That's, that's powerful. And so one of the things as a body of believers, it is, I believe, it is, it is our duty to release leaders to function in their full capacity in vision at Waterville. So we're going to do this. Can I have some of our some of our leaders uh, here? Pastor Steve, you have Pastor Albert and Dorinthia, uh, Pastor Earl. Um, got any other pastors in here? Oh, Pastor Earl's on a mission. Sorry, I guess Pastor Joy told you to do something. That's cool. That's cool. And would you guys all do me a favor? Would you guys all stand to your feet? And would you say extend your hands forward?
Are you seeing this? This is how beautiful this thing is. The kingdom of God. God's doing something awesome. We're a part of influencing Northwest Ohio through these, these leaders. And so, Lord, we want to just say thank you, God, for the opportunity. God, of laying hands on and believing by faith. God, that you are, God, extending our tent pegs. God, that you are allowing us to be able to influence men and women in another community. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, we, we thank you for them. We bless them. Lord, we say thank you for their gifts and their, and their talents that, that have been used here on this campus. And we thank you for extending your grace and extending your power and extending, Lord, your anointing, God, to reach the community of Waterville. We just right now bless them. God, we release them. Father, we just thank you for them. Lord, we just celebrate what you're doing. And Lord, we just ask that you would continue to affect the kingdom of God through leaders, God, like these that are willing to go when you say go. We plead the blood of Jesus over every one of them, their families. We thank you, that Lord, that you would guard them just from the attacks of the enemy. Lord Jesus, we thank you, Lord, for all that you're going to do in Jesus' name. And all the saints of God said together, Amen. Amen. Come on, let's celebrate what God is doing.